0: If you're currently watching maths but you're very very behind then this will contain some spoilers.
1: Oh my god. god. La la la. Let me explain.
0: Relationships <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to It's Not You, It's Them, But It Might Be You with me, La La La, Let Me Explain. And for today's Monday Hot Topic episode, we need to speak about Brad and Shona from Series 8 of Married at First Sight UK. If you're not watching maths, you might think this podcast episode is not for you, but do not fear If I was not watching maths, I'd still be interested in this episode because the behaviours that have been displayed between this couple on the show are really important for us all to understand. In fact, things have got so bad that Women's Aid have issued a statement with regards to Brad's behaviour. And since then, the couple have been removed from the show because it was becoming so toxic. So I'm going to take you through some of the lessons that we can learn from what we've seen of Brad and Shona on this series of Married at First Sight so far. And at the end, I'm also going to share with you, I've spoken to Shona, we've had a really good chat and she's got some more information to give us that I think will help listeners. If you haven't seen Married at First Sight, it literally does what it says on the tin two strangers are matched based on their personalities by experts though sometimes I think these pairings are hard to understand a person will be like I'm a vegan who thinks everyone should stop having children for the sake of the planet and they'll match them with a butcher who wants 12 kids but the experts are great they are good no criticism of them the matchings are just slightly odd sometimes they marry and then go off on honeymoon immediately then live together in a compound whilst undertaking relationship-building tasks and challenges, getting-to-know-you type tasks with the help of experts. And each week they review and decide whether to stay together. So Brad and Shona had never met before getting married and going off on their honeymoon. I think it's really important to say that this is a reality TV show, but we know that that doesn't mean that everything we're seeing is real. It's edited into a reality that they want to show us. There's lots of stuff that happens behind the scenes that we're not aware of. But let's have a look at how the performance on camera created a relationship in which the dynamics were controlling and toxic. So Married at First Sight is apparently Brad's third stint at reality TV. Having previously been on Celebs Go Dating and some other obscure dating show that never really went anywhere, What this tells us about a lot of people who go onto these reality TV shows looking for love is that they're not actually looking for love. They're looking for fame and a career in TV. The word narcissist is so overused on social media now. But actually, if you really want to talk about narcissistic traits, being desperate to be famous and thinking that you deserve fame through no effort other than going on some random TV show is definitely a narcissistic trait. If you want to avoid narcissists, then definitely avoid fame-hungry, selfie-obsessed people. So Shona and Brad fancied each other and hit it off immediately. By the honeymoon stage, and remember they'd only known each other for a day or two at this point, they were all over each other, talking about love and babies. Very intense, very quickly. This is our first big red flag. With Shona and Brad, it feels like love-bombing. It's clearly too much too soon from both parties and limerence becomes very apparent here. Listen to my limerence podcast if you don't know what that is. Shona and Brad then return home and the experts give the couple a challenge to test their relationship. In this particular challenge that they're given, they can ask each other anything that they want and the spouse must answer honestly. Do you think
2: we have the same level of maturity?
1: No, I don't. I I, I think that, you know, where maturity is concerned, that is it's very different. Mm -hmm. In the past, I've always been with people that's been, like, really strong um, within holding yourself up, understanding that Not everything's the end of the world. They've been, like, more mature in that respect.
0: This is Negging. In a conversation about your relationship and how you feel about each other, it is a definite flag for exes to be brought in for you to be compared negatively against. There is no way that information is not making her feel insecure and not good enough compared to his previous partners. It is a huge neg. The whole thing is negging. It's definitely shitty for someone to tell you that their ex did something better than you do it. Knocking down self esteem slowly and insidiously, whilst making you desperate for their approval, desperate to compete with the perfect ex. The next question that he asks her is such a setup.
1: What's your biggest responsibility that you've ever had?
0: Okay.
2: I guess my house now, my dog. Um
1: there's, there's something there, like, that we're both different on. You know, when you can't find things and you're like, like, huffing and puffing and that, I'm like, is that a big deal? No?
2: And I can be responsible, like, I have a house, I have a dog, like, yeah. I'm not, like, just cos I'm forgetful, I think that's a difference. No, but, oh, I don't know.
1: No, but listen, at the end of the day, we're different because you haven't had a child. Meaning that when, you know, when you're raising a child, you have to make them aware of these things, you know, make sure they know how to clean up, make sure they know the please and the thank yous, manners and things like that. Yeah. Because there is definitely a difference between us and I don't know if maybe that's why.
0: He clearly considers having a child to be the greatest responsibility a person can have. And so the intent of this question seems to be putting her in a position where he's able to say... Because you don't have the same experience as me, you'll never be able to match up with me. I'm the one who knows best. And yeah, it is a lot of responsibility. But I managed caseloads of 50 vulnerable children before I became a mother. People without children perform brain surgery. It doesn't make you the king of responsibility just because you've had a child. But he set this up to exert dominance. Follow my lead. I clearly know best. I'm a father. You're not a mother. He's undermining her and creating insecurity. So following this challenge, we don't see this, but it's obvious that all of the couples go off on a night out together away from the cameras. What we see the next day is a few of the couples on camera expressing shock about Brad's behavior the night before. They talk about the fact that he was exposing details of him and Shona's sex life. They never actually said what it was, but they alluded to the fact several times that it was extremely kinky, way beyond missionary. And it made me wonder what the hell it could be. The way they were talking about it, they seemed so shocked by the level of it. And they all agreed that it had been so disrespectful for him to talk about it. And this worried me. Talking openly about such intimate details is disrespectful and humiliating. It's something we might see in narcissistic behaviour. A desire to validate one's misogynistic ego by showing off about shagging. If it's not narcissism, then it's definitely misogyny. Everyone knows that you shouldn't talk about a partner that you respect sexually without their consent. But beyond that, this couple have known each other for a matter of days at this point. And I am not one to kink shame. But kink takes trust and trust takes time. And they haven't been together long enough for it to be a safe context for them to explore extreme desires as we've seen by him discussing it publicly. It clearly wasn't a safe and trusting environment.
2: Last night I was like, we are not going to be okay. I was, it was like a 360. And I felt so sad because we'd gone from like such a good place, living in this amazing love bubble, to going to this horrible place. It, yesterday, we had this disagreement. We He said, let's not tell anybody, and then went and told everyone. He told everyone intimate things about
0: us. Shona is completely blindsided. And what she describes is exactly how we can tell that something has been love bombing and not love. You see how she says there's been a complete 360, a total change. It does not take long for masks to slip. And that complete 360 out the blue, suddenly changing, suddenly moaning to you about things they'd never expressed before. It is a sign that at this point we should run. But love bombing works to make us do the exact opposite. That change in behaviour makes us feel horrendous and it makes us just want to get back into that love bubble. So we can end up doing anything to fix what we did wrong when we actually did nothing wrong. But it feels like we did because that change in behaviour, they blame it on us. There are a couple of other red flags around this sharing about their intimate life thing. We see them talking later, and she raises it with him. She talks to him about the fact that she's upset that he discussed their sex life. And he says that he didn't know it was something she didn't want shared. And she replies, but we discussed not telling anyone. So it was very clear that they'd had a discussion. It was private, and he knew that. And at two separate times later in the show, when they're with the rest of the group, he mentions to her that that Luke has touched on us talking about our sex life. Both times he firmly states us. He firmly states that Shona was also being accused of talking about their sex life. He took the accountability off of him and made it both their faults, when none of them had mentioned Shona. I think it's just important to look at those subtle, little, small red flags.
2: But I have anyway. been living in a bubble, and I am aware of that, and I'm coming out now. Okay. I did say to Bradley, though, I was like, oh, shit, if we break up, like, if you dump me, then I have no
1: friends.
2: <laughs> we need a girl night yes. where we can right, all catch right. up properly. Yeah. Because we need I each guess. other. Yeah. I know what yeah. it's like to be in love
1: and completely yeah, yeah, shut yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. off. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That was a mistake for me, personally. Yeah. But I lost a lot of friends yeah, by yeah. being completely engulfed in somebody. Yeah. Completely mm. yeah. besotted, I was, it wasn't a love, it was an obsession, mm-hmm. you know, I was infatuated. Yeah. I think the girls are just like, don't just get in this love bubble with Brad. But mine and Brad's relationship is our relationship, it's not anyone else's. And because you can't relate to that and you can't compare to that, doesn't mean that it's not okay.
0: Becoming isolated from friends is such a huge red flag. Removing someone from their support network is very helpful in controlling them. Shona hears the girl's advice about not becoming isolated, but says it's our relationship. Just because you can't relate, that doesn't mean it's not okay, which is such another huge domestic abuse red flag. If your friends are telling you that it all feels too much, then you should listen. They're probably telling you because they can relate. Shona is so upset about the fact that she feels that people aren't taking their relationship seriously and Brad just continues to tell her she's not allowed to feel that way. We've seen a viral clip going around of the experts pulling him up on the way that he spoke to her. He was using words like not allowing her to feel or letting her feel certain ways. He tells her that nobody else's opinion matters to him and therefore it shouldn't matter to her. It's all very controlling behavior and language and this is similar behavior that we see from people who want to isolate us from friends that whole thing about your friend is wrong she doesn't matter they don't know our love they're just jealous they've never had something so deep and real these are the tactics that he's using to shut down her feelings about what other people are saying about their relationship In a discussion with another couple about who wears the trousers in their relationship, Shona talks about how Brad does, and she likes it. And Brad says that he likes dominance. And dominance is fine, but not when it involves dominating everything. Dominating how your partner is allowed to feel, dominating their emotions, dominating everything in the relationship is never, ever going to be healthy. Hi guys, it's me and I'm here to tell you about another Sony Music Entertainment podcast. Now I know you all like to have a deeper look and get under the skin of a subject, so I think you're going to love getting curious with the fabulous Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. Every week they deep dive into conversations with a variety of experts on some really, really important and eye or ear opening topics like the history of abortion and the science of sleep. Get excited, get curious and listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. I am absolutely happy to label Brad as a spiritual fuckboy. Spirituality is essential as far as I'm concerned. Most people who say that they're spiritual are exactly who they say they are. However, some people use the guise of spirituality to gain power and control over others or as a way to never take responsibility or accountability. Blaming the universe or their closed heart chakra or other people's closed third eye for their own wrongdoing. Don't judge all spiritual people. Just don't be fooled into thinking that they're karmically allergic to treating people badly or that they have the right to guide or lead you because sometimes it's the opposite. they are narcissists who's using their wokeness to lull you into a false sense of security. This episode is out on a Monday, so the last thing I saw before recording this was episode 13, where Brad went really gung-ho into his spiritual fuckboy role, and you couldn't make it up. When I wrote my spiritual fuckboy part of my book, which you should definitely read if you want to avoid people like Brad, I thought it might sound far-fetched, but they really do come out with this incredibly textbook shit. Shona starts the discussion and explains that she looks at him like Jesus. He nods and smiles like, yeah, I know. He says the teacher-student dynamic isn't enforced. It's natural because you're early on in your journey. Again, it's that subtle belittling. He's saying the reason that we've taken on this dynamic is because I'm just so much better and wiser than you. I have so much to teach you. Subtle belittling, claiming that it's the natural order for him to lead and dominate. It makes her feel like she's not emotionally mature enough to not need leading. When she says she needs to go on her own journey for herself, he says the most manipulative and most textbook thing he could
1: ever come out with. I need to let you make your own mistakes for you to learn. From now on, I think what I'm going to do is just let you do your thing. Yeah. And then, you know, make your own mess if you do, because then you'll have to just learn from that yourself. Do you know what I mean? So if you're willing to go in and understand that it's you, then that's brilliant.
0: It's so awful. It's literally saying, you can't cope without me. You'll fuck up. You need my leadership. I'm going to leave you vulnerable. Don't come crying to me when you make a mistake. You need me. It's a threat. It's a manipulative coercion tactic.
2: I hate the fact that people are perceiving you and I to mm. be some kind of like you control me or like
1: domination. I have no yeah, voice no.
2: like that. I don't like that. No, not at all. I adore you. Mm. I love you. I feel crazy things for you, and then I just feel like that you're so quick to say like the universe has. Comes for me or like yeah, yeah. the universe is my path and maybe mm-hmm. i'm not on the right path and i feel like i'm just never going to
0: compare to the universe so she goes to him to call it out she looks really small and unsure and she tells him but i hate that other people are perceiving this as control and domination again it's really interesting notice how she's not saying it's me she's not saying i think you're being controlling and dominant she's saying other people are saying it not me And then the man gets out his literal spiritual fuckboy textbook script again and says,
1: When the energies clash with people, I'm quick to just be like, okay, then we're not meant to be together and we go our separate ways and that's fine because that's the way the universe works.
0: So like, are you
2: ever fully in it?
1: And I can explain this to you over and over and over again, but like, you might be listening, but it's not going in because you're at a different part of your journey. Until you actually get to that point and realise that, oh my God, yeah, do you know what? Like, wow. You
0: can really see how he's using the spiritual fuckboy shit to bamboozle her, to hold complete power over her. And she says, I feel unsafe. You say you love me and then you say there's a change in energy. And Brad says, well, there's very little we agree on emotionally and mentally and we're very different. And then she concedes and says, maybe I am being emotionally immature. And again, it's that conceding, it's that her going to him with an opinion, with a voice, and then instantly being shut down and leaving the conversations, always feeling like, well, it, um, I, I must be the problem. So at the time of recording this, we haven't yet seen the episode that leads to him being kicked off. But I've spoken to Shona, and Shona has spoken about the fact that most of Bradley's inexcusable behaviour happened off-camera.
2: So majority of Bradley's inexcusable behaviour actually happened off camera and there was an incident after our third dinner party which then resulted in the experts intervening and choosing to send us home and I won't share the details because if I'm it's just too much it's too much for me to go into but something i am happy to share with with you is an example of something that didn't make the edit but it happened in front of people um we we're at a second cc and my friend laura in the cast has just been called a gold digger by another cast member luke and a little bit of context bradley throughout the experiment he's done telly before so he kept being like don't do this. Don't do that. I'm getting annoyed that you're not listening to me. And don't rise to drama. We don't rise to drama. Your yoga vibes. I'm meditation vibes. Blah blah blah. And I'm sat there. My heart's going for Laura, and I'm thinking, I want to want to stick up for her, but I hate confrontation. Anyway, I do. And as soon as I do, Bradley lets go of my hand, and he goes, "What the f are you doing?" And I just freeze, and I'm like a deer in the headlights. You see it in the edit, and I kind of like stumble on my words. My argument is rubbish. I feel really embarrassed, and then he just goes, well done, you made a complete C-U-N-T out of yourself there. And I'm just sat there like, Bradley, you can't talk to me like that. I run to the toilet, have a massive panic attack, and I have to sit on the couch, and I give Bradley the floor, and I say, can you tell the experts what you just said to me? And he went, oh, yeah, I just called Shonan an idiot. And I didn't correct him, because that is just exactly how I felt throughout this whole time in the experiment. I just felt like... I wanted to protect him I wasn't going to sit there and say no you didn't because I was scared of what everyone else would think and that's that was a huge problem in our relationship because I did a lot a lot of protecting and in that I lost my light I lost my voice because I was so fearful of what everyone else would think of him and that is my lesson that I will never let that happen again. So when we got sent home from the experiment, Bradley said that he was behaving that way in the experiment because he felt like a caged animal and it wasn't who he was and he was so sorry and it was all, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'll be different on the outside. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt. We stayed together on the outside for, I think, think about five to six weeks and The same behaviour continued. He was exactly the same person. It was the listing. It was the harsh criticism. It was belittling me, like, making me feel so small and questioning myself. And it got to the point where I just doubted, like, my every word. Like, constantly, like, gaslighting me and asking me questions. And then being like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. And then later on, bringing it up and being like, oh, yeah, you know, earlier I just didn't agree with anything that you said. And this is why and da 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 And, like, just, I felt like he was constantly going in on me. And then one day, like, I've never journaled about somebody so much in my life. And I was thinking, Shona, everything in your body is saying that this is wrong. Like, why? Why are you still with this person? And then he called me one day and he just said, like, the way I feel about you is so mental, it's so crazy, but, like, I don't love you, I just lust you. And I think you're really sexy and I think it's physical for me, but, like, I still want to be with you. And I was like, what?! I just woke the hell up. I booked my flight to Sri Lanka. I went off to do my yoga teacher training. I really took the time to process and heal, like, everything I'd been through and just getting myself back to the person that I was when I went into the experiment because I have done so, so much work on my self-esteem. And I felt like I genuinely was in such a good place, but in such a short amount of time. Like, the harsh criticism, the the constant, like, not feeling like I was good enough really affected me. And it got, it really, like, I was just doubting myself constantly. I didn't feel good enough at all. And it's scary how quickly that happened. But I went to Sri Lanka, I fixed my heart, and I saw him at the reunion, and I was like, oh, my God, I see you now. And my journey with Bradley really made me look within, like, it made me think, okay, why was I so blindsided by I love you? Like all that shitty, shitty behavior, but followed by I love you. And it was almost like I was just just so focused on that. And like, why was I so desperate to make that relationship work? And it just made me realize I just need to love me so much more. And it sent me on the biggest self-love journey, which I'm on right now. And I feel empowered and I feel strong that I will never, ever, ever put up with that kind of behavior ever again.
0: And Bradley, if you're listening, enjoy fucking the universe, babes. (laughs) I'm so grateful to Shona for giving us all of that insight into how things really were behind the scenes. And actually, that is so typical of a domestic abuse relationship. You know, if you're seeing a friend and their boyfriend is a complete dick in front of you, then it's pretty likely that behind closed doors, things are 10 times worse. And as Shona says, when the cameras weren't rolling, he was despicable. You know, just that moment where he called her a cunt in such a nasty way, again, trying to lord himself over her as some kind of fountain of knowledge, the reality TV master. All of this stuff is just so red flaggy. If somebody calls you a cunt and belittles you and makes you feel awful, then you must run. But as Shona says, it's not that easy to run. And especially because you are torn between this thing of thinking, this isn't right. But also, I love him and I want to change him. And things were brilliant in the beginning. I want him to go back there. And that desperate need to protect, to save face, to not let the world think that this is an abusive person, to protect him this wonderful family man this is so textbook and so common most people who have experienced domestic abuse will have had this sense of not wanting their partner's public image to be damaged and again that feeds right back into the signs that we're having for narcissism because there is a lot of narcissism being displayed from Bradley's end that really they can put us into this place where we feel that their image is more important than us Shona has really Really experienced that. And the fact that she knew she should have gone and that they had the opportunity to separate, the experts are saying this is toxic, this is controlling. And she leaves with him. And again, this is so reflective of domestic abuse. So many times we have the opportunity to go. So many people telling us this is dangerous. Get out. He doesn't love you. This is not real. This is going to end in disaster. And we're like, but I can't. I don't want to. And we stay and we return and we go back and we stay and we return and we go back and we leave and then we go back. It's a whole big cycle. And it never ends until we are able to really see through it. But it is possible to crack that code. I know that Shona got support after the show from psychs, from psychologists. That is something that you would be able to do yourself. You can go and get therapy. So what this has all shown us so far is literally the most clearest step-by-step video representation of how an abusive relationship slowly takes hold. I just want to reiterate the red flags very clearly. So there's narcissism. It's not always behind abuse, but we must look out for narcissistic traits. And those narcissistic traits are going to be apparent on their Instagram and in their behavior. We must look out for spiritual fuck people. Don't judge spiritual people, but look out for the cognitive dissonance and the incongruence that reveals they're not really spiritual. They're just a fuck person love bombing. Is it too much too soon? And then always pay attention to that 360 change that really lets you know that this is definitely not real. Control, dominance, trying to be the leader, belittling, negging, isolating from friends, belittling friends' voices and telling you not to listen to them, never taking accountability, manipulating you into thinking that you need them or that you're going to make mistakes and not cope without them. If you get a feeling that you're losing yourself, that you're out of your body, that you need them to teach you things, that you're not yourself, that you're treading on eggshells, pay attention to those feelings. All of them are big red flags. One of them run, but several get the hell out of there to save your own life. And as Shona has shown us, you can get out, you can move on, you can have beauty and wonder and amazingness afterwards. But make sure you get support. If you're noticing any of these red flags, please contact Women's Aid, Refuge or Respect. We'll put all the numbers in the show notes at the end. And as Shona has shown us, you can move on. You can get away. You can get out. You will need support. You will need help. You'll need to make a concerted effort on your healing journey. there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is beautiful, amazing people after horrible, abusive, narcissistic fuckboys. Stay alert, pay attention to the red flags and run when you see this type of man. No, 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 let me explain. This has been a Sony Music Entertainment production.